Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey, folks, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast. We have an amazing podcast where we're going to discuss the rules for life today. Before we get started, as always, a reminder that if you're listening to this on audio, we've also launched our YouTube channel, the Everyday Millionaire podcast, and Mindset Matters lives in that. So again, we're trying to grow that community and uh, look forward to you joining us over there. Hey, Stephanie, we're back. Mindset Matters, another great topic. Hey, hon. So you're in Toronto. I'm in Toronto. I was in Toronto all week. I've been here for, what, seven or eight days now. I've lost the track. We kicked off with Entrepreneur Thick Tank, Thick Tank earlier in the week. Then we did DI Vault. Then I did a couple of meetings. And then we did the second meeting and get together with our incubator coaching group. Fantastic, productive week. You were in Montreal. You got there Wednesday. You met me in Toronto on Saturday. Boy, busy week. It's been a busy week. And then we were able to um, finish up on uh, on a yacht on Sunday and really wrapped up the weekend well and had some great conversations and got people fired up. And uh, Simeon made some amazing food and his team was incredible. And I think it really wrapped up. And then we got the great news from WestJet that our flight was canceled, not just delayed, completely canceled. So here we are in the hotel at the Sheraton airport doing our Mindset Matters podcast. <laughs> here we are. And again, a big shout out to Simeon Papielius with REC Canada, good friend, great trusted partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. We had an absolute fabulous time with an amazing group of clients that work with us in the incubator program. Man, oh man, it was such a great time and uh, very, very productive. So anyways, that's kind of a recap of our week. That's not what we're here to talk about, though, although it's hard not to talk about because it was so much fun. It really was. And I guess it is a good segue because what it did was really, for me, spurred on a lot of context for living conversations. I ended up being in Montreal and spending time with the clients that I have there in Ice Dance, my business partners on Ice Academy Montreal. And we dug into a lot of different topics and things. And I was able to present a whole experience for the skaters. And one of the biggest ones was really about context for living. It was ice you know, for skaters, intention, context, environment. And what that led to and segue to was what was their context for living and what are the rules that they live by? We didn't dig into it as much as I wanted to, but I think now that we both read um, Jordan Peterson's book and listened to the Mark Vanson version, I think it's a really interesting segue and it'll bring together a lot of the things we've been talking about over the last, I don't know, 91 podcasts. Yeah, whatever it's been. Okay, so let's give this just a little bit deeper context. So if you're still listening, hopefully you are. Here's what we got to, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson had written a book. He's written a couple, but you know, the 12 rules for life. We read that. I, I want to say three, four years ago, whatever it was, and, uh, really enjoyed it. Give you some food for thought. 
unnecessarily all of the rules that I aligned with, but still very, very good. And then recently we listened to Mark Manson and uh, it was just a brief kind of segment he did, uh, taking that same concept and asking himself the question, well, what are my rules for life? You know, forget about what Jordan says the rules for life are and they're good rules. It's just that he looked at it, Mark Manson looked at it and said, well, you know, if I'm making my own rules and I use that framework, what are the rules for my life? And then he went into it. Now, what that did for us was really inspired us to kind of dig more into and be more thoughtful about the rules for life, what ours are even, and can we define them? But it was interesting that in the body of work that we coach around and teach around, the framework that we build is creating the context for your life, intentionally defining and looking at who you are in the context of your life. And that's a body of work that we've been coaching and really teaching, I guess, for many, many years. And uh, this was just a a part of it because it was a way to re, I guess, re-describe or describe context for living a little bit differently, break it down into smaller sizes. So let's dig into this a little bit. And one of the things that you coach around, I know, is with your clients, and we've talked about this many times, we actually did a podcast on it, is the four agreements. I'd like to kind of start there. Don't want to put you on the spot, but can you, from memory, can you remind us of what the four agreements are? I can. It's the work by Don Miguel Ruiz, and uh, we read the book years ago, and it has stayed with me forever. Number one is be impeccable with your word. Be impeccable with your word. And for me, in the rules of life, that leads to honesty. Can you be as honest as you can in every moment of every day? And that's something that you have to work on every single day. Number two, don't take anything personally. And that one is so hard for athletes because in many sports that are judge sports, like figure skating, diving, gymnastics, et cetera, it's a judge sport. So it becomes subjective. So if you take everything personally, when it comes to your sport, that can sprinkle out into taking everything personally in life. And think about with social media now and the things that are going on in life. If number two rule in the four agreements is don't take anything personally, I challenge everyone that's listening to this podcast to take a look at where they do take things personally and how it changes how you're being. Number four, I love this one. Oh, sorry. Number three, let's don't step over. Number three, don't make assumptions. I'm horrible with that one. That that one, I believe I can read people's mind and I assume what they're thinking and I assume what they're meaning by that. And I think I can see into the future and I assume. And you know what assume means, right? Don't make an ass out of you and me. Is that what it used to mean? <laughs> anyway, don't make assumptions is the third agreement. Number four, and this one seems so simple, is always do your best. Always do your best. And when you think about it, if the first presupposition of all coaching programs is everybody's doing the very best they can, and the fourth agreement, always do your best, just think of how you can bring conversations together, communication together, if we just focus on these four agreements. I'll repeat, be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and always do your best. So when we look at this as a good segue into really bringing our awareness to a couple things around that. Uh, what do we want to be responsible for in terms of the rules that we want to live by? You know, Mark Manson talked a lot about emotions and how emotion drives some of our, well, uh, many decisions by people. But where do we take responsibility for emotions? You know, as human beings, we can be angry, we can be sad, we can be frustrated, depressed. We go through all this range of emotions. It's a kind of a normal human thing to go through. But the real question is about your awareness around those. So in other words, are your emotions totally driving you or can you in fact take responsibility 
for how you are responding to those emotions so that they're actually not driving you so that you can step back from it and go, I feel the anger, but I'm going to take responsibility for how I manage that anger. I can feel sad. I can feel frustrated. I can feel all those emotions. And it's not that you should hide or ignore those feelings. It's can you step back and actually manage those emotions as opposed to let them drive or manage you if they're going to take over your thought process, your actions. And that is a very difficult thing to do. And it's easy to get trapped in those emotions. And so I bring that up around, you know, what are you responsible for? And the four agreements are really a layer of responsibility. And then as well as the awareness of what is happening with you emotionally is one area where you can be responsible. And actually, I guess that's part of the own, you know, when we talk about mindset matters, when we talk about personal or professional development, how are you reacting and how are you handling those emotions in certain situations? You want to expand on that? I do. And and one of the things that Mark Manson said in his um, in his podcast was there are no bad or good emotions. There's only emotions. There's only feelings. It's what action we put or what intention, intensity or intention we put on that based on our history, based on our values, based on our, our views of the world. And if we put a negative or positive spin on something, that we're going to react emotionally. And one of the things I love about the word emotion is it's energy in motion, emotion, energy in motion. So when I talk to my clients about emotions, generally I try and change it into the word feeling. Because when it's energy in motion, there's really only two emotions. There's love and there's fear. Back to your point, most of us are driven by fear when we're reacting out of anger or scarcity or whatever. And then we're, if we're in joy or abundance uh, or appreciation, gratitude, we're coming from love. So if we break down the energy in motion into two, maybe, and this is one of my rules, is that I'm either acting out of rule, out of out of fear or I'm acting out of love. And if I'm acting out of fear, then I can get the feedback and I can identify, hopefully, what it is that, that I'm in the charge about. If I'm acting from love, that one's much happier, much, much kinder, and a much softer place in my body. But the two ways of being is really important. Energy in motion, I think, is really interesting and not to puts a spin on it, whether positive or negative. Feelings just are. They're just feedback. Well, it is interesting, though, that if you're going to have, you know, okay, so when we look at rules for our life, if we consider that how much trouble we can get ourselves in, in the emotions, whether it be overreacting because of anger that you kind of feel or overreacting because of something that happened that you don't trust and you're making up a story, it really is the rule, I guess, here would be taking responsibility for your actions that are based on emotions. So having the awareness to say, no, I'm not going to buy into that anger, that sadness, that overreaction, that frustration. It's literally the rule being step back, take a breath, and be more mindful of your reaction and that it is being driven by an emotion. Now, some will justify being angry and coming off the rails. Okay. And there's lots of times that it feels like that justification is definitely there. And perhaps it is. It is, if you're going to do that, make sure you realize it is a very conscious choice as opposed to being reactionary where it's controlling you. You know, there's a, I mean, there's, there's actually training around anger management for those individuals who get angered, who get triggered frequently or with very seemingly little reason and they fly off the handle. And I guess the other side of that is being emotionally like 
whether it be sad and drama and tears and oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end when really nothing serious has really happened. It's just how we view what's happened. And that is also another rule that you can have is that you're going to step back and kind of consider how you're viewing the world. world. What is the filter that you're looking through that's happened? This goes back a little bit to the values conversation. Is it really just somebody who's not aligned with your values or a situation that you find yourself in that isn't aligned with your values? So where we take responsibility is for how we're actually viewing it. It isn't always the way we see it. No, it's actually always the way we see it. But how about if we change the filter around it? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I do. And I think when you you say change the filter, it takes a sense of emotional resilience and emotional maturity because it doesn't happen overnight. When we think, and I reacted negatively, or I'm afraid, or if I pick a fight, or if I'm responding to something you've said or done, and I get angry, it's generally because I'm afraid. And if I can get to what I'm afraid of, it softens, whether it's the argument or the discussion or the conversation. But there's always that moment for me of, of, of heightened fear. I get, I get terrified that something you've said or done or that we have said or done or something in the world, something, you know, sometimes I'll just get really scared. And my emotional maturity and the work that I'm trying to do is to give myself that pause and try not to respond in that moment with so much fear. Because I know when I come across as angry, it's just that I'm afraid. I think that's an interesting point. And, you know, one of the things we joke about it is my, you know, kind of my, I get, I get revved up about politics and some of the decisions that our government makes. And I actually get angry about it. I get really pissed off about it. I can be quite vocal about it and knowing that I'm being vocal. So I'm picking my spots, but I realize that the underlying reason for all of that, my anger around it is in fact fear. It is fear for my financial future. It's fear for the future of our our grandchildren, our children, it literally is underlying is the fear of the consequences that I have to be at the effect of, and I have no control over, and decisions being made by politicians that I absolutely do not agree with the direction they're going. As a matter of fact, I believe them to be quite incompetent. So the fear of that is the consequences and the price that I would have to pay, my grandchildren would have to pay, you know, whether it be the economic future of this country or if our own personal economic future, uh, you know, financial future. So that can get me pretty pissed off. And ultimately understanding what's behind that is really, I'm just fearful. It's not nothing personal against our government, just how I feel about what they're doing. And I'm just using that as an example. But to your point is unpacking what are, what is your fear around when you're feeling angry may be a good tool for you to use, taking responsibility for that. Again, what's the rule that you're going to live by and one of the rules that you can live by is self-awareness. Oh, good point. I mean, going moving from that is really important. Self-awareness is not about knowing what other people are doing wrong. <laughs> it's like you're not aware of, I mean, you're we're aware of what the government is setting up for us into the future, not just for us, but for our country. And I think that's where you and I, because of our big shoulders, we tend to take that on. But we also have the level of self-awareness that we're saying, okay, what can I control? What is in my purview of control? What am I able to take responsibility for and what do I have to let go? And to me, that's a role that I really have come to to really honor is that I have to be willing to let go of things that I can't control. So there's two environments that we're working through all the time is our inner environment, what's going on inside, how we're reacting, how we're feeling. Can we let feelings come and go? Can we be a like a duck and let the water slide off? Or are we reacting in that moment thinking we can control something that we can't control? 
So what can we control? So that's one of my my rules. So in, in this regard, it's a, like the second rule. So being aware is about what I can control, what I can't control, and then taking responsibility and action with the things that I actually can control. So to me, that would be the connection to to self-awareness. Well, it's interesting, you know, that, you know, from a stoic, you know, the study of stoicism, you know, the stoics used to look and say, well, you know, what can you control? What can't you control? And ultimately, mostly what you can control is just your reaction to certain situations, your uh, emotional outbursts, perhaps, you know, or just your overall view of the world. You can control all of that. And sometimes where people get caught up is they really want to try and control other people. They want people to change. They want circumstances to change. And you just don't have control over a lot of those things. You know, certainly if you're expecting somebody else to change, you're going to be setting yourself up for generally a big disappointment because it's rare that people are going to change for you. And so it's something to consider that, what can I control? You can have conversation. Uh, you can perhaps control that conversation and how you communicate, but ultimately it's generally about what you change. And often that's just the case of changing your view of the world, uh, considering your values, and sometimes, you know, questioning your BS or questioning your belief systems. And then the change always comes back to you because that's ultimately what you have control over. The rest, you know, not so much. I think that's where a lot of anxiety and depression lives in our culture is thinking that if we love somebody enough, we can change them. Or if they loved us, enough, they would hear what we need and then they would change. I think there's a gap in that what we really can get in trouble with in our relationships and in our communication. So I'm really glad you brought that up because if we expect people to change or if we expect people to do things because it works for us, I think it's a sheer recipe for disaster. And I think that's where a lot of our mis unmet expectations live and our assumptions live and where we can really damage our relationships and damage our own personal self-esteem, self-worth, because if we feel that, then there's a lot of rejection that could come with that. And then that downward spiral just can get rooted in just this tragic decision-making around what I think I need to do to change myself to please somebody else. So to me, it's, it's, a, it's a trap. It's a downward spiral. And it really hurts people if we don't have that level of self-awareness. Well, there's a, an interesting, you know, we often say, you know, that our life is a reflection of who we're being. It's a reflection of the decisions we make or the decisions we don't make. And sometimes the decisions, you know, mostly the decisions we're making is about how we're going to show up, how we're going to view the world, how we're going to react to certain situations. Those are actual decisions. Now, they may be sometimes really subconscious or they're not conscious thoughts about how we react. But one of the rules that I continue to kind of touch on again, is that rule for being self-aware and really kind of taking responsibility for how you show up for others, for your family, for your community, for the people that you work with, and considering how are you showing up? You know, are is your life a, a, a reflection? Is your life the way you want it to be, given the concept, if you will, that it's a reflection of who you're being? and how you're showing up. Because again, when we go back to the fundamental of like attracts like, if you don't like what's happening, if you don't like the people in your life, it's always going to come back to you. So again, a rule for life is evaluate your life and say, what parts of it are awesome? What parts of it and aren't so awesome? And where am I responsible for that? 
How could I do things different? How could I show up differently, perhaps? So just a consideration and thought process. What do you think of that rule? Let me just, uh, yeah, let me just dovetail on that because when I hear you say, you know, we have to be 100% responsible for everything that happens, we go back to Jaffa Wilnick in, you know, extreme ownership. But what I really heard Mark Manson say is that, yes, we're 100% responsible, but there's many times we're not to blame. And that's a really important distinction when you talk about self-awareness and self-responsibility and taking 100% responsibility of everything. Yes, one day, you know, he said you're driving along and you get hit by a bus. Is that your fault? No. But what you're responsible for is making sure your healing gets handled, making sure that you're doing what you need to do to get yourself back on your feet. Don't make yourself a victim to whatever's happened to you. So my grandma said that once when, when she was diagnosed with cancer and we were talking about it and I was reading Louise Hay at the time and and we had a deep kind of a conversation one day, but she couldn't quite get it. She said, so cancer, getting cancer is my fault. I said, no, grandma, it's not your fault. But how you take care of yourself with this diagnosis and how you let us as a family love you and take care of you and help you heal if you choose and how you want us to, you know, to have conversations with you is your responsibility. No, you're not to blame. No, it's not your fault. But can we elevate the conversation and say, okay, got the diagnosis. Here's what we need to do. And how do we make your life the best it can be going forward? No, it's not your fault. And you are not to blame. But yes, we are. You are responsible. Well, you make a good point. And I think that we've all seen those inspiring stories where, you know, people have all sorts of really tough things happen to them in life. And uh, what they do is they choose how they're going to respond to it. And to your point, they're choosing not to be a victim to it. They're choosing that, no, they could not avoid, you know, or the, what happened to them was out of their control, being hit by the proverbial bus as an example, it doesn't matter what it is, getting fired from a job because the business went south. I mean, none of those things are your fault, but how you respond to them and your responsibility is lives in your reaction or your uh, response to it. You know, are you going to be driven by that emotion again, or are you going to step back from it, not be a victim to it? And by the way, you know, it's okay to be angry for a while. It's okay to kind of mope around and be pissed off, but then you got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off and carry on. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, it is okay to consciously say, no, I'm going to give my pers myself permission to be angry, to be pissed off because I am. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be. It's only to say that, own that, know that you're being that way and then move on. Don't be a victim to it. Yeah. And I get that. What I'm seeing right now, especially in a lot in our Western culture, more so in the US, and I'm seeing it more and more in Canada, is when something does happen to somebody and if they can't get to the, where they're responsible, they become vindictive. This is where this litigious society is coming in, where people are suing everybody for everything and one thing leads to another and they can't take responsibility. Something happens in a business, somebody gets let go, fired, they can't handle it, they turn around and sue and they're just creating more and more drama and more and more things where people continually perpetuate the cycle of being a victim. And for me, that would be rule number two or three, self-awareness and not be a victim, take responsibility and move forward. What would your third rule be, hun? I think my third rule would be to be clear and to live my purpose, to not get off track of living my purpose, which has always been about contribution. You know, what inspires me, motivates me is to be able to make a difference in other people's lives and supporting them in achieving their goals. That's my purpose. That literally is what uh, made this week that we just, I just went through in Toronto. So amazing because it was a week of supporting others' success, being in conversation about growth 
and moving forward and helping people solve challenges and to kind of step back and view how they are uh, taking responsibility of their life and uh, giving some guidance and some framework for them to design what it is they're trying to achieve. So for me, always, I would have to come back to one of my rules would have to be, uh, aside from being self-aware, but certainly uh, living my purpose. Love that. You know, I totally align with that. And I think that's one thing that's why I love you so much is that we have that in common. Um, My week in Montreal or my four days in Montreal was the same. You know, my heart opened right up again when I'm with the athletes and when I'm there and I'm helping them get clear and live their purpose and move their stuff out of the way so they can perform and they can live their best selves, their best lives really lights me up. So that links dovetails into mine is if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. I've decided that's going to be my third rule. And living my purpose is fun. Being good is fun. Winning is fun. And really, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. So enjoying my life, enjoying our life together with the dogs and, you know, travel for as long as, you know, the overlords are going to allow us to travel and learning all the things that I'm learning about what's happening on the planet. I do want to have that filter of enjoyment, not just crazy fun, like, you know, irresponsible, but true enjoyment and enjoyment to me means enjoy. My final rule is this, is that in all that we do bring value and value because we care. And that is definitely a rule that I want. I mean, we are paid to do business. We are paid coaches. We do what we do. And I want to 10x whatever uh, somebody's paying for one of our programs or to join us. I literally want them to walk away going, that is absolutely the best investment I've ever made in myself. And I'm so glad I did that. So uh, that's something that I try and live by and make decisions by. That's great. And if it's not fun, we're not doing it. If it's not fun, we're not doing it. Stephanie, I think we maybe pulled this off. We'll see how the all how it all comes out once our uh, uh, editing team has done a brilliant job. So again, thanks for joining me. And uh, this was a good mindset. We'll see you on the airplane soon. That was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.